On today's episode, we talk about myths around dieting and nutrition. What are some common things that people come to us fearing, not being sure about, avoiding for unnecessary reasons, and all of the things that you need to know when it comes to your nutrition to make sure you are giving your body the best things and not creating unnecessary fears and poor relationships with food. You hear all the bull about diet and exercise. Carbs are evil. Do more cardio. Never eat bread or cookies again. Just do a juice cleanse. We get it. We fell for all of the BS too. It's time to go right to the source with the truth about how to live a healthy, sustainable lifestyle. I am Liz. And I'm Becca. We are your nutrition educators, and this is The Food Code. It's Monday. Happy Monday, guys. Oh my goodness, it's September this week. Whoop, whoop. I'm not going to lie. I really like football season. I was talking to Nick about it. I'm sorry. I should caveat that. <laughs> I was I, like, I feel like you're lying <laughs> because I like football and watching football. I don't always love that my husband literally sits on the couch all day on Sunday and I watch the kids. I was like, now you have two kids for football season and she's not a newborn anymore. So we'll see how this goes in a few weeks. Yep. When yep. you're single parenting on Sundays. Yep. And and I mean, like, let's be honest, the Bears are disappointing every year. Um, hey, I'm I don't proud think of this them. This year will be any exception. I'm proud of them for leaving the city and going out to Arlington Heights. I know. I know. Um, Soldier Field's a cool location, but it sucks, let's be honest. Um, so, yeah. I'm I'm excited. We love watching. We watch Hard Knocks. I like that show. Um, HBO does a really good job with that show. But yeah, I mean, let's be honest. I don't love yeah. Sundays where my husband literally does nothing. Other than I watch football. I love just like having the windows open and having yep. my leaves candle that I can't buy this year because it's toxic and makes <laughs> me not a healthy person. But I love the smell of fall and a lot of things pumpkins. So that's beautiful um my birthday a couple friends birthdays and so i'm actually very excited we're we've got some really cool trips coming up we're going to see my brother and hang out with them for a weekend and then we're taking marcus on a couple of trips he keeps telling me mommy he wants to go on the plane so we planned that and then um another just quick trip up to the dells and so i'm excited for fall i am not however excited for early mornings that are no longer light out i'm not excited to have to use my heater in my garage yeah. I mean, thank God I have a heater in the garage and I have started working out later in the morning after I drop the kids off, which is like so much better than waking up and working out at 5.15 um, and being freezing for the first 30 minutes of my workout. But, oh gosh. At least you don't have to go to LA Fitness in the wintertime. Yeah. No, I will say I'm very grateful for that. I am going to need to probably find a gym at some point to start working out at if I want to do the open in February because... I might need to like fortunately this past open I was able to do all at home but like if there's you know things that I don't have equipment for I'm gonna probably have to find a gym soon yeah yeah well anyways it's almost September so anyways we're entering the last four months of I just saw something uh, on Instagram earlier that says like it's the last uh, it's four months until 2023 but I still feel like I'm still processing 2019 I was like yes so true um, but that's pretty crazy so if you guys have you know been working on some things and some goals this year, this is a good time for you to evaluate. We got one third of the year left. Uh, evaluate where you're at. If you're not close to where you want to be, then take an evaluation of what you need to change, what you need to do uh, in terms of maybe dialing in, 
dialing things in or getting a little more consistent. Uh, And today, we are talking about some myths about dieting and nutrition. And this is a very short list because honestly, if you let Becca and I just talk for hours. We were (laughs) interviewed earlier today on a podcast and she's like, I like to keep it 25, 30 minutes. And I was like, okay, awesome. And then she's asking us very complex questions and we get so passionate that we could talk about these things for hours. But we're here today with 10 myths about dieting and nutrition. So Mm -hmm. the first thing is, and I think most of you guys will understand this if you listen to us for a while, deprivation dieting is not required to achieve your goals. What do I mean by that? Uh, When I say deprivation dieting, I mean that you are going extremely low with your overall energy intake and your calorie intake, which also means that you've deprived yourself a lot of nutrients, vitamins and minerals, things that your body needs to function well in the attempt to get you to a place that you are happy with the scale or a lower weight, uh, you know, or changing your body composition. And so Beck and I both have done these 1200 calories or less, uh, diets in the past. And this is what I term deprivation dieting in order to lose weight and they are stressful on your body. And so is it required? No. Uh, what is required is that you take a smart approach, that you periodize your intake, that you recognize that this is not a linear process and that you're working you know, with somebody or doing it in a way that is smart um, so that you are not causing a lot of stress and placing a lot of burden on your body because you are malnourished. Mm-hmm. I would say like, nothing comes without consequence when it comes to dieting. Even healthy dieting, there is some level of adaptation that will usually happen that you need to manage on the back end of it. Um, But yeah, it it is definitely something that we have to be careful with. Um, So number two, calories are more important than quality of food. So calories are important. I will not say that I think that they are more important than quality of food because There is a lot of negative consequence that can come with simply counting calories using diet food, low-fat foods, low-sugar foods, processed foods, essentially, to stay within calories. I think it's kind of like the Weight Watcher mindset of, you know, not to bash Weight Watchers, but like you can, you know, you can eat these 100-calorie packs of food to stay within your calorie count, but you need to understand that like, oh, those are full of oils that your body's not going to process very well and probably going to result in inflammation that's going on. Oh, those really don't have any nutrients that it's providing your body. It's just calories as a source of energy. And so the quality of food plays such a large role in what it's providing in terms of minerals and nutrients and things that your body needs to tolerate stress to be able to recover overnight when you're sleeping, to produce proper levels of hormones, to keep your stomach in a positive place in terms of the gut flora and the stomach acid levels. So like we need to understand that calories in general, like a lot of people are like, oh, well, I don't eat very many calories. And then we look at what they're eating and it's like, um, there are literally no vegetables in this diet, or there is a lack of protein and adequate quality protein in this diet. You're eating a bunch of lunch meat or, you know, processed deli meats or, you know, jerky or whatever it is. And there's no like grass fed beef and organic chicken thighs and things that are going to bring your body actual nutrients. And so we miss the mark when we're focusing only on calories because I was there, I was eating the low carb tortillas with extra fiber added. I was eating, 
you know, the um, triple zero yogurt that was like zero calories and only protein. And I was bloated AF and thinking I was being healthy. I was eating, you know, PB fit protein powder or PB2 instead of actual peanut butter or nut butter. I was eating all of these diet foods to try to control my calories. Halo top. Oh, my God. Don't even get me started. Um, all of these things that were basically just to control calories. In the meantime, I was bloated constantly. I was constipated. I was having horrible gas, like smelly gas to where I couldn't even be around myself at the gym. Like it was bad. And so we need to understand that although calories matter, yes, they do, how your body utilizes those calories depends greatly on the quality of those calories. And you need to have quality of food to be healthy. Yes. I agree. And so the third myth here is diet culture demonization. So I guess this is really just false information that you're being fed by certain diets that you can't have certain one ingredient whole foods because they're too high in carbs or too high in sugar. So I've asked this question before on the podcast. um, And, you know, I'll ask it again today. Does it make sense to you that certain vegetables and fruits would be bad for you? Does that make any sense? No. So, you know, I'm going to be doing a series on this and I'm kind of excited about it because, I mean, every time that I do research around something, I learn more and more. Um, But this one particularly, you guys know, if you have followed me on Instagram, I'm very passionate about about carrots and bananas. Um, Not just like those two as the main example, but about the concept here. Uh, Let's say it's Weight Watchers or it's Octavia or it's a six-week challenge that you're doing at the gym and you're given this approved foods list, right? And on the do not eat list, you're finding some of these higher sugar, maybe higher carb fruits and vegetables. Like, okay, but what about the fact that carrots have a lot of really good nutritional value, undigestible fibers that can help you detox estrogen, uh, vitamin A, C, K, B8, uh, folate, potassium, iron, copper, manganese, like all of these things. So you are telling me because there's a little bit of sugar, I believe it's four grams for a full serving of carrots, um, a little bit of sugar in that, that I can't have these things or the two carbs that are in it is just too much. Guys, if you're still following these diets that are giving you an approved foods list and a foods to avoid caveat, unless you are on a very specific protocol to, let's say, um, eradicate SIBO, H. pylori, uh, you know, maybe uh, you're working through another gut healing protocol for various uh, reasons, then, okay, yeah, you, you don't want to feed the bacteria and the yeast that might be overgrown in your gut for a period of time, usually 60 to 90 days. You eradicate it, you move through it, you avoid foods that feed it, and then you bring those back into your diet and you move on with your life. Again, it's not, um, when we always say like from a low FODMAP perspective or a nightshade or things like that, it's not a food problem. We'll talk about this you know, in another myth, but it's a gut problem. And so unless you are on a protocol for a specific reason that tells you that you can't have carrots or bananas, run far away from these people, these clowns and these bimbos that are telling you that these things are too high in sugar. They are God made, filled with vitamins and nutrients, minerals, electrolytes that your body needs. No, don't go eat six bananas in a day. I don't think that's a great idea. But to tell somebody that you're bad for eating carrots and bananas is absolutely obscene. Yeah. And we talked about this a little bit on the podcast interview we did earlier today. And it's the concept that unfortunately, I think a lot of people's first exposure to nutritional quote unquote education um, is diet. It's going on a diet. Like I didn't really think about food until I wanted to lose weight. 
you know, mm-hmm. and then that first exposure to food, I think was in, for me, it was in, I mean, high school technically, but when I really actually did it was in college and my personal trainer at the time who like, I love, he was a great physical, like workout personal trainer, but I was on a diet, you guys, that I was eating like a string cheese, three baby tomatoes, which I was choking down because I hate tomatoes. And I think like a couple pieces of deli turkey for lunch. Like that was what I was allowed I was like, it was obscene. And so then you start to get into this very disordered mindset, which is not necessary. You shouldn't have to have this disordered eating to be healthy, but we're exposed so young. And then it's just layered on top of each other. Every new diet you do probably has a new restriction you're supposed to follow. And then that's all you think about. Like, well, this diet told me I couldn't eat this, or this diet told me that I can only have this. I could only have sweet potatoes, not baked white potatoes. Like, all of these different concepts. And so no one's to blame here, but we need to be fighting against it. Like if it doesn't feel right in your gut to be like, wait, why are vegetables unhealthy? Like, why are you telling me that I can't eat them? Like we need to be questioning those things, you know? Um, Number four, nutrition does not exist in a vacuum. And what I mean by this is intermittent fasting, keto, veganism, low sugar, whatever it is, like low carb. It is not one thing. It is not just start fasting and that's your answer. Because I bet your bottom dollar, the people that do start fasting and they lose all this weight and they're healthier, okay, well, they were probably eating in a poor eating window and poor quality of food. And when they started eating in a smaller eating window, they naturally reduced their calorie intake and probably cleaned up their eating with that and saw results from it. It was not the fasting. It was they were over-consuming calories. The fasting brought them into a calorie deficit naturally and they lost weight because of that. Sure, there are other benefits of fasting that are included. I do think that, you know, eating in a chronic consumption state is not good. You should not be like, as soon as you wake up until the minute you go to bed, be consuming food and like these, you know, small meals all throughout the day. Um, I think you should be able to go distances between meals and be satiated. That means that you're eating the proper foods for your body. Um, But you do not need fasting. Fasting is not the answer. You do not need keto or low carb. It is not the answer. Like it is the foundations. As we always talk about, I joked on the podcast earlier, like from the beginning of time, it has been the foundations. It has been drink enough water, get enough sleep, eat a diverse quality food diet, move your body with intent, exercise, resistance train, and treat your body well. Like that's, that's it. That's what you got to do consistently. There's no one answer. There's no shiny object. Quick fix. Unfortunately, guys, I'm sorry. You got to put in the work like everyone else has to put in the work. There's no this. There's no like shiny object. There's no one thing. There's no this is it. It's yeah. all the things all the time. Hey guys, have you noticed that we don't run any ads? That's because we want you to have a great listening experience. But we do need to ask one thing of you in return. Do you know somebody who can benefit from listening to the podcast? If so, please share it with them, message it to them, tag them in a post, take a screenshot of this and share it on your stories, share it wherever you share stuff with the world and people that you care about. We want to continue to provide as much value as possible. So we would really appreciate this. Now let's get back to the show. All the things, all the time that optimize health. Yeah. So the next one here, so you've already covered, uh, you know, the timing isn't necessary. Like Becca saying, you know, 
Intermittent fasting is not necessary. You should eat in a way that keeps blood sugar levels stable and that sustains you for hours between meals. But if you are somebody who says, well, my coach told me that I should be eating six times a day in order to lose weight, that's going to keep me in this fat burning zone. That's false. It matters how much you're eating, the types of foods that you're eating. Um, you know, are you in a calorie deficit? What's the consistency like? And what other things are you doing to support your fat loss goals? Are you sleeping or are you like a zombie just trying to wake up at 4 a.m. to go to the gym to do more fasted cardio because where you're at and what you're doing isn't working? And so you think that that's going to be the answer. Both of those things are probably going to be hindering you from seeing results more than how many times a day that you eat. You need to be in a calorie deficit. You need to sleep. You need to hydrate. You need to exercise in the right manner that supports your goals. Okay. Um, The next one here is supplements are not magic. If the magic pill existed, we would not be sitting here with a job talking about how to fight disease and how to overcome obesity and how to help make people better. Supplements that you see online that tell you that they are your magic fat burning solutions are total BS. Do not waste your time, energy, or money buying these things, taking these things. Like, you guys, I think I've said this before on a podcast, but I'm going to share it again because I just want to drive this home so much. I had a client who came into our old gym at Strength Republic and she did not have a gallbladder. She was told to do keto by some other trainer at the other gym that she was coming from. She was not on an ox bile supplement, which you should be on if you don't have a gallbladder to be able to break down and emulsify fats appropriately and handle fats. Uh, And because they told her to do this keto protocol, she thought that she should buy these keto supplements to support, you know, her ketones uh, was one of them. And then another one was, I don't know, like keto fiber or something along those lines. And so, yeah, it was basically like a bunch of laxatives in this herbal supplement. And so I looked it up. She spent $90 on it. Like she shit her pants at work and she had to go home. How freaking embarrassing, number one. But number two, you guys, Being told to go on a ketogenic protocol without a gallbladder and the proper supplementation is dangerous. If you've been told to do this by somebody, please run away. You need to be on support if you are going higher fat, lower carb without a gallbladder. You are going to run to the bathroom. I know anybody who's uh, had their gallbladder out knows this. If you had like a burger and fries or you had a really high fat meal that you didn't tolerate, you don't have the bile to break these things down appropriately, you will be running to the bathroom and having urgency. So this also goes hand in hand with certain fiber supplements that I do not believe should be taken. They are not a good option instead of fiber. We've seen it time and time again, besides just urgency to go to the bathroom, where people have had adverse reactions, bloating, gas, cramping in their stomach. Guys, if this is you, please stop doing these things. Like take this seriously. This is your health. Don't spend $90 on a crappy supplement that can make things worse. Work with somebody. Yes. You guys, companies cannot replicate real food. They can try, but they can't do it. The fiber supplement is not going to work like whole foods will. Vegetables, beans, fruit that all contain the nutrients and plant compounds that work synergistically with your body. Supplements cannot do that. Same reason why, although, don't get me wrong, I've used formula with Taylor, they will never replicate breast milk. Breast milk is so complex in nature and they have tried so hard to make it something that they can do with a formula or a container that they can sell. Like it is impossible. And what I'm getting at is, again, don't feel bad. Like I had to stop breastfeeding too earlier than I wanted to with Taylor, but like they cannot recreate what God created. You cannot do it. 
you have to get it from the real food, which is the next piece too. Low fat and low sugar are not healthier options. Do you notice how apples are not labeled low fat? Vegetables are not labeled low fat. Like, because they are real foods. When something is labeled as low fat or low sugar, one, it is a marketing ploy. And two, it has been manipulated to be that way. Whenever I see low sugar, I immediately look to the ingredient list because they have probably somehow added an artificial sugar sugar usually to create the lower sugar that they put on the ingredient, you know, um, nutrition profile on the back. And they can say, oh, it has less sugar but now you have an artificial sweetener that your body has to manage. And same thing with low fat. Guess how things become low fat. They remove the fat, they add the sugar. Low sodium, they remove salt, they usually add sugar. Like there is a reason that these things are labeled that way. It is to get you to buy them because you think they are healthier. They are not healthier, you guys. They are not healthier. Please, please, please be smarter than the food companies. That is our goal. (laughs) We want you guys to be smarter than these food companies because... They're trying to make us sick. Yes, because if they make us sick, then guess who gets to benefit from that? The pharmaceutical companies. Mm-hmm. Okay, I digress. All right, the number eight. We're going to get banned, dude. Probably. Uh, number eight here is that diets lead to eating disorders. Okay, so I think there's two sides of this sword. Uh, number one is, yeah, it absolutely could. Uh, lead to some sort of poor relationship with food. This is, again, why we don't like to demonize certain foods, label foods as bad or good. We simply label them as like, this is very nutrient dense and this is nutrient lacking. Or as I like to say, these are more fun foods. Like my delicious cupcake that I had on Saturday morning at the gluten-free bakery uh, by us, which I enjoyed every single bite of. Um, And so that's not norm. Like it's not part of my daily routine. It's not even part of my weekly or monthly routine. But you know, we have to understand that food is not bad inherently. Um, Yes, I think that we should avoid certain things and we should definitely minimize certain things that don't, you know, uh, support your long-term goals and they don't support longevity of life, such as hydrogenated oils. But if you are somebody who is working towards a goal, let's say fat loss or weight loss, and you're doing it appropriately and you're being taught why certain foods are helpful um, or more nourishing than others, I think that you can have a great relationship with food. There's this whole premise out there of like intuitive eating and we should never count calories. We should never have macros, you know, be labeled uh, as part of our diet protocols. And like, I just don't align with that. Mm -hmm. I'm in the middle. I will say more and more, I think that food quality and balance of meals matters way more than your total calories and macros. Uh, But On the other end of the spectrum is I think that you need to have awareness. You need to understand because, for example, a very uh, nutrient-dense food can be very high in calories and can put you quickly in a surplus, and you can also gain weight eating that way. Let's say you're doing, you know, honey in your yogurt, and then you're having a handful of nuts here, and then you know you're having uh, a lot of avocado or oils or butter on things like, and then you end up in a place where you're not eating the right balance of protein, carbs, and fats, and you're eating in excess, that's obviously not a great thing either, unless you intentionally need to gain weight. So I just, the myth here is that diets lead to eating disorders. If you're doing it the right way, you're learning about food, what makes you feel good, and you're eating in according to your goals, this is how you find food freedom. Becca and I, I feel the best that I've ever felt with food. I'm not afraid of food. I'm not controlled by it. I can, you know, have donuts in the house and not even be phased by it anymore. Like when Marcus gets his donuts, um, 
you know, he can enjoy those things. And okay, cool. I've got what I'm making because I know this is going to make me feel good. Mm -hmm. It's his day to have a treat, not mine. It's so nice to have the freedom of not being terrified by like the temptations of food. I never thought I'd be here because I had such a crappy relationship with food for so long. Um, The next one, the smoothies and the juices. They're always healthy, right? They are not always healthy, you guys. Certain juices, juices and smoothies can be highly nutritious. So like something that you make at home and, you know, you're putting in some frozen berries and some protein and some nuts or seeds and you're adding some great nutrients. Sure, they can act, absolutely increase vitamin, mineral, antioxidant intake. But going to Smoothie King, guess what? You're also pounding probably 90 grams of sugar in that thing. Like they use fruit juices. They use typically, you guys, I'm sorry, juices would taste like shit if they did not include some type of fruit juice. So like the, you know, veggie juice that you're getting also probably has a ton of sugar because they're including something to actually make it taste good so that you'll buy it and drink it. And so you have to be careful, especially when you're consuming those things like consistently, they are typically loaded with added sugars so that they don't suck. (laughs) so true um and again we don't want to demonize like fruit here let's think about like if you go to a smoothie shop i've been to several of them where they actually are using just fruits Mm -hmm. um i have one client i was asking her i was like what all is in this and she's like oh they use like a whole mango and this and this and i'm like okay well it's not the mango by itself it's not the honey by itself it's not this by itself it's the combination of those things that leads you to have 75 grams of sugar in this delicious drink that you're drinking and so again it's like how much uh should we be consuming at once and not in excess. The last thing here is that uh, probiotics, pre and probiotics are always helpful. This is a myth. Um, We've said this a few times in other podcasts. I talked about it even the way of like fermented foods uh, on my Instagram. Depending upon the state of your gut, pre and probiotics can be dangerous. If you're feeding bacteria that doesn't need to be fed or you have opportunistic bacteria, um, you know, in the gut, this can really create chaos. It can make digestive uh, symptoms worse. Um, Just the same way if you have opportunistic bacteria. So this is what we're referring to as kind of like the bad guys in the gut that are feeding off of things that you're consuming, grains, gluten, yeast, sugar, those types of things. Like you need to identify how do I get this out of my system and rebalance the, you know, the good and the bad, because you're always going to have a little bit of bad. Like that's just the reality of it. There's trillions of microbes in our guts. Uh, but if you are taking something that has not been, you know, prescribed or recommended based upon testing, then we would say shy away from it. Uh, unless maybe you've been on an antibiotic and there's then a few strands of probiotics that we do like, uh, just because antibiotics are so harsh on the system, but we don't generally just recommend those things broad scope because I don't know what's going on with you. I don't know how you're reacting to this. Do you feel better with it? Do you feel worse with it? Do you have GI symptoms? Um, And so again, that kind of goes hand in hand with the supplements uh, that we talked about earlier. But these are some myths that we have for you. And if you love this podcast, please share it out, rate and review us. Uh, If you have other questions that you would like us to cover, we can always extend this list because there are so many things that we could talk about uh, regarding nutrition and dieting and, you know, diet culture. Uh, but if you have any requests, feel free to send those over info at fitmomlife.com. And with that, have a wonderful day. We'll talk to you guys soon. Thank you for listening to The Food Code. If this episode resonated with you, please share, rate, and review as this helps us reach others around the world. With that, thank you for listening. We'll be back soon. Love you guys.